The You Haven't Seen That Movie Podcast is funded by you. Thank you. Support the show by going to patreon.com slash WDM1. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the You Haven't Seen That Movie Podcast. A bi-weekly podcast where my guests and I watch a famous movie I've never seen before and discuss it. This week we're talking about Romeo and Juliet, a 1996 classic starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. I'm your host, David Lonnie Waters, and in my guest chair today, we have Damon Hubbard. What it do? Hey, Daddy. What's crack like, Dad? Uh, you know, a baby lot. Driver, baby driver. You know, we got together right after work today. This is, we're recording on a Thursday. I just Thursday. Got, I got home from work. And, you know, it was actually a really productive day at work today. Well, let's um, keep that rolling. I, yeah, and that's exactly what I was thinking. Thank Word. you. Thank you for being here, dude. Word. Thank you. <laughs> I can't say it enough, dude. Like, um, uh, I remember just to, like, I guess kind of segue into how I know you. You, like, very recently, probably in these last, like, three, four-ish months, I've known you since, so I met you on July 4th. That is correct. You have a connection with the friend of the pod, Maddie. She's oh, done an episode before. Um, the Exorcism of Emily Rose. You two are cousins. That is correct. Yeah, and y'all are both a good time. I think she's supposed to meet up with this lady. She so. is a miniature version of me. <laughs> An incarnate me, I guess you would say, if you were talking exorcism of Emily. Yeah, I was about to say. But... Devil incarnate, very, very <laughs> uh, veiny. Um, okay, innuendo. Um, <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, nonetheless, in the same vein, I, I enjoy it. <laughs> the yeah. same, and Devil's, what is it, what's the saying? Devil? The devil's advocate? No, no, no. You, uh, devil incarnate. Oh, the yeah. devil incarnate. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That's funny. That's true. Yeah. Actually, and here's the thing. Mm-hmm. When, when I was growing up, pagers were big. Oh. And pager spelling, of course, is easy when you look at the dial on the telephone, right? Excuse me? A, B, C is on I think the you're, two key. I think you're like fucking like no, on my no, mind right here, dude. Look at, look at your phone and your phone will say straight up when you're looking at the keys, like the one key has something on it, but the two key has A, B, C on it. The three key, the, you see what I'm saying? The three key has D, E, F. Oh, okay. You're talking about T9. Right. My guy. I guess. Whatever. Yeah, that, yeah, okay. Whatever. We got technical names. Oh. We got technical names. Well, my guy. then, I am too old for all that nonsense. <laughs> However, I digress. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I yeah. love it. Uh, so, Damon, um, I guess one thing I, I just had to call out a friend of ours, Watto, at this moment. He's because a when connector. he, well, he is a connector. That's how I know Matt. The Peruvian Principal. That's a good one. Love Watch that. Yourself. Uh, Watch yourself, Watto. Alliteration. Watto yourself. Oh my gosh. But 
he at that Fourth of July party. He, uh, I remember, I got there. I it was on my. This was my second Fourth of July party, and it was a fucking good time at that first one. So I was gonna let it roll, you know. Les les and I got there, and I pulled up a chair, and I fell back in it, like fucking fumbled under my weight. I fucking <laughs> fell on my ass in front of everybody. Oh, I was like, chair busted. Uh, and Watto told me later that he knew that chair was fucked up and what? didn't say anything, and what I was like, dude. Oh. You son of a bitch. I wow, hate you so that, fucking much. Yeah, that's a douche flute move, though. And so, um, but I I guess segueing. I always want to segue. I always want to segue. Maybe chair, I should though. get a segue. Actually, I will I will let you know. Mm. The chair actually is much like a segue, but the, the chair is still in use on Maddie's back porch. It's holding up some old pots that are empty, just to let you know. So oh, my gosh. We have not discarded <laughs> the folded chair. The Safeway-looking folded chair. It's there. You know. You know. Invasion. Right. Invasion. And Watto knew it was going to be there. Son of a <laughs> you you asked me. Um, I saw in your notes. You wrote notes. And oh, I, 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 I cannot. Notes. I cannot wait. Oh, I, I have them over here. I don't need them. Oh well, I can't prepare it anyway. Anyways, anyways. Um, in, in I, but when in doubt. Anyway, uh, so whenever I first met you, I definitely. Uh, wanted to say that I wanted you on my podcast from the very beginning. I felt embarrassed, one, about that, but over the course, there was a lot of people there, uh, but you were definitely, I always feel like um, people are characters, like big personalities, that's what I meant to say. Uh, That's a big personality. I am, Um, actually. It, like, clashes with one another. I feel myself I'm that to a degree, I know a few in my life who are that, just big personality. And, um, like, my roommate, y'all met the other night, and I was like, ooh, right. clash of the personalities. Right. No, you know, no, I was like, oh, my no, gosh. Actually, actually, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very, very vibe-tastic type of person. Oh, like, I agree. I feel the room, like, mm-hmm. and I ride that. I'll ride a room. I can go into a room with just about anybody and come out knowing that we're all happy. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's just a, a thing, you know. I, I can fit in. I can blend in with a lot of different groups, a lot of different styles. I love it. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a good time. So the Fourth of July. Yeah, yeah. So uh, from that moment, I wanted you on. I think you're just good conversation. And, I dig it. You I know, dig I, it. I dig the good conversation. As I'm sure my audience, our our audience our audience is definitely. Um, aware of. I love that good conversation. So I'm glad you're here with me. I'm glad to be here, David. I'm glad to be here. How have you been, Damon? I've been somewhat fantastic. Yeah? Why so? Well, uh, I think it's more of me enjoying my retirement for the first time. Oh, I didn't realize that you were retired. Well, yeah, medically retired, but retired nonetheless. (laughs) Right? If Uncle Sam says they don't have a use for me anymore, Mm -hmm. I'm retired. You, you know, it's coincidental. My uncle is also uh, early retiree, right? <laughs> uh, right. Medically, yeah. And it's not a bad thing. It's uh, it's difficult. I, I do have a significantly decreased quality of life in comparison to others. Yeah. I, I'm eight surgeries into a. Oh uh, yeah, you told me a whole shift the other day right, when you came over. Right, yeah. right, right. Shoulder bone and metal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And living with that, but right, enjoying life as it comes at me. Right. It's not 
what you have. It's who you have and uh, you know, surrounded myself, what you got. You I've know. surrounded myself with great people recently. Great people, great friends. I've, I've come across so many new friends. I mean, it's just, it's been a great time this last few months. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Um, I don't know. Uh, I want to... You know, me personally, it's been uh, like like I said, it was a very productive day at work today. So well, and um, here you are, and you're making me feel more productive. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. Well, fuck team David. Fuck yeah. Right. Fuck yeah. Team D. As team David. <laughs> team David. <laughs> uh, so a little uh, housekeeping before we get into it. Keep uh, the house D. Keep it. Of course. Uh, if you want to show your support for the You Haven't Seen That Movie podcast, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash WDM1. Also, join our Facebook and Instagram pages to know when new episodes go live. Um, we also have a voicemail, um, which I, I feel like I haven't br- brought up as much lately, and I, I really encourage people um, to do it. I think I talked about it briefly on a, like a, a long-ago episode about... Um, giving out stickers for people who call voicemail. Nice. Um, Good idea. Yeah. And um, kind of open it up. But just wanted to remind the people, it takes like two clicks on Facebook or Instagram to call. So couldn't couldn't be easier. You'll hear my lovely voice at the beginning of it. Oh, watch out. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So seductive David on the phone line. So, Damon, I was telling you earlier, like, I'm, I'm, you know, love the conversation. I have two podcasts into Zeitgeist. Our most recent episode, uh, we did Dare. And I wanted to ask you, you, a big part of this um, conversation that we're going to have is your experience in the 90s. And I feel like it was a little bit more prevalent than... Absolutely. And I wanted to kind of pick your brain. Absolutely. It's, uh, the 80s and the 90s was uh, when, when the D.A.R.E. program really got its kicks, really got its start, was in the 80s and the 90s. So I've, I've seen the program through its infancy, all the way up through being a parent of children through the D.A.R.E. program. So I understand from a multi-generational standpoint, going through it first time as it was presented for the first time, and then seeing how it was done later with my kids. Mm. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. You said you had an 18-year-old, right? I do. I have an 18-year-old and an 8-year-old. Yeah, that's a nice... That's a, that's a pretty far spread. It is. It was a delightful spread. Oh, see oh my know. gosh, shut the I fuck up. <laughs> you get it. Oh my god, that's a good. That's a, that's nice. That's nice. You're um, more than welcome, sir. Damon, one of our opening segments uh, is. <laughs> I want to ask you. Shut the fuck up. That was so <laughs> funny. Cutting uh, oh man, that go was for it. Go for it. Sorry, uh, like you gotta uh, gotta savor the moment. <laughs> say it. <laughs> Savoring it, we damn sure. Oh, I dig it. So, Damon, all right. what have you been watching as of late? As of late, I've actually been watching a lot of soccer uh, on oh, okay. Spanish networks here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex area. Ah, uh, yes. We are <laughs> supposed to go to a soccer game later this week. Oh, yeah, we are, bro. Yeah, it's yeah, going to be a good time. we are. But that's it? That's it? No um, well, like pop culture? Well, pop culture, yeah. Actually, uh, I just finished watching... Americana, as they would say. Squid Games... Yeah, you like it? Do you like it? It was unique in that it was something Americans hadn't seen. That kind of gore, that level of intensity. Mm. It's just another fascinating way of presenting the Hunger Games to me. 
in oh, okay. a different way, Interesting. Different but it played out really well in South Korea. Hmm. So there's that. We were talking earlier before the podcast, like imitation is um, sincerest form of flattery, my man. Yeah, so I won't go into it deeper because that's I won't a whole go into that's a whole either. rabbit hole. But I personally, I've been watching the uh, I've been watching The Sopranos. Nice. A lot because of that newer movie came out and I want to. I just it like kicks. I would. I reminded myself a while back ago that I wanted to watch it and it kind of kickstarted that thought again. So I was like, "Fucking, I'll watch the first couple." And I kind of fell into it. And once again, you're talking something that was in a generation that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that is true. Mm-hmm. Watching them. I mean, that was right like, after you because you graduated in '97. Right, right correct, Mundo. Mm-hmm. So here we are with. The movie that we're going to be discussing, Romeo and Juliet, has mm-hmm. its roots and origins right in my senior year of high school, as does The Sopranos. So that's pretty neat that you're watching that now without even knowing that you're going back to my and generation. Generation X, kiddo. Oh, Lord. Yeah, we are from different uh, yeah. generations, definitely. Yeah, there's a gap. Definitely. But... I was uh, born in 94, so it's, oh, we were talking snap. about that We were talking about that last time when you came out. Right, away. right. My older brothers graduated high school in 94, so if you want to know where David and I are on the map, my older brothers are uh, just four years older than me, and David was born then. So yeah, we'll go that route. Classic, classic. Uh, but it's a good, it's nice. Uh, we, I think we have, we had. Um, no, you do the math because I don't do the math, <laughs> and we don't do math around here. Y'all I was a math, math major, but fuck that. Right, he said no. More. After trick three, fuck that. Trick four. Jeez. Um, let's see. And then I also, I, actually, with The Sopranos, I wanted to bring up one thing. I think I'm a very impressionable person. Mm. Um, because so. The Sopranos brought it, brought this thought train up in me. It's like, uh, my roommate came home. I don't know if I was saucy or he was being saucy with it. Uh, but I started to like kind of talk back, you uh, know, like I put up some fire, uh, you got a little got fire going. Coming, and I, I wish, you know, I really want to do video here soon for the, the <laughs> podcast, but I do talk with my hands a lot. Is that that and I feel like, uh, some people just need to see that. So. <laughs> yeah. Actually, sometimes you're talking with your hands. Sometimes it looks like like a nervous okay. twitch. Another, ex- nervous, another example. Don't like be nervous around me, David. Oh, I am a pretty boy, but you don't have to be nervous. I get so pumped. Look at this hair, dude. I know you like the hair. I love it. Yes. I'm digging it. I know, dude. I need to get a haircut. Shout, shout out to Leslie, my cousin Leslie, and her salon over yonder. She doesn't Leslie actually have a salon. salon. No. Oh, okay. She, she promotes it. Okay, okay. She just does my hair. Shout out to the walk-in Oh, I thought hours. you were talking about Leslie. <laughs> uh, no, Maddie's sister. Maddie, Maddie's sister, Leslie, oh. does my hair. Really? Shout out to Leslie. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Right? Fucking nice. Give it up. Talent right. of the family, kids. Hey, Talent speaking of good hair. Ooh. Leo in this movie. Oh, my God. Leo in this movie. Claire Danes in this movie. Those locks the, were just I, okay, the defining you, feature of the late 90s mm, for a lot of heterosexual tips. males in the 90s. That was the look, bruh. The look. Bringing it into it. 
So you've seen this movie. Absolutely. What is this? What is this movie? So we're talking about Romeo and Juliet, the 1996 movie. William Shakespeare's Romeo plus Juliet, if you'll notice. Yes, and we'll definitely, we'll talk about that later. Definitely, definitely. We got you. We got you. We got you. Um, but any, any memories of, uh, this movie? You know, you said it was, what, you said it was your junior year, right? Well, it was my senior year of high school when this one was released. This was uh, early on in my senior year of high school, and you can kind of you can kind of understand it. if you're looking at if you're looking at Leo DiCaprio in the '90s, he is the male actor to be. He's that guy. He's the one everybody wanted in everything, and for him to appear in this film, it was just a lure for everybody to come see it. Great, great, great marketing is all it was. Uh, you can give more context to it. Was it like fucking in your face, like blockbuster type shit? It was new and 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 different in the way that it was presented to us. Because uh, I mean, you have to realize that the 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 decade, the nineties, as you're growing up as a teenager in the nineties, is where I'm at. I'm growing up in the nineties, and and. New Age and New Punk and and dance music and raves. These are all things that are coming to light just now. You know, I've always thought of it, you know, that decade in particular, the latter half, definitely were the rich, the richer parts of it kind of found itself um, we, yeah, after we, that the, point. Absolutely. we. Uh, I grew up in the beginning of the culture, and, and mm-hmm. this movie encapsulates... My You're the real experience. 90s kid. Right. Yeah. This encapsulates that, that whole experience and that new, in-your-face, new punk style that's presented to you. Explain new punk to me, please. Well, the new punk version is just, I guess, more than anything, the way it was presented. There was a punk scene in the 80s, more of a grunge scene in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Punk scene was different than this new... I don't know what the older generation would call it, you know, and that's what the thing was, is is that they really didn't have a name for the the beginning of our artistry in the 90s, and the, to them it was just punk, so it became new punk, and it was just that in-your-face style that would have been on punk in the 70s and 80s is now new punk because it's different generational, that's all. So the 90s flair, so to speak, that explosion of colors and dramatic uh, I mean just it was there mm, mm. I think you did a really good job of describing it. it it just comes to light for me like to I don't we'll go into the recap here soon enough but the um, casting alone was enough to be alluring David the very beginning of the movie <sighs> is played like a trailer mm, um, and good. you had mentioned that whenever we were kind of getting in the mood watching some clips beforehand um, and I was, I, it, that's something that just like came to mind and I was like, um, this is like weird, um, uh, jarring, I guess I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I the movie starts out with a bang. <sighs> yeah. Uh, well, kind of literally too. Yeah. Bang. 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 <laughs> bang. A lot of bang. So why did you pick this movie, Damon? Well, I, when we were talking and discussing movies that, that you hadn't seen and, and, this came across just as as a you hadn't seen that, and for me it was 
such an integral part of growing up that I couldn't imagine somebody else could have grown up and not seen it. Like, this is actually fact, factoid, uh, 50, uh, the top 50 movies you are supposed to watch by the age of 14. And that is the British Film Institute has a list of movies, the 50 to watch before you're 14. Mm-hmm. This movie is on it. Oh, really? Absolutely. Oh, that's funny. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. So, I mean, I always look at those types of BFI says go for it before you're 14. So, you look at it, that's a pretty big step into it, right? Damn. Right? They're making them romantic what, at what, a young age. Right. Uh, well, oh I goodness. mean, let's be honest. The, the story is about uh, some very, very young lovers. That's true. Old reliable. Mm. Yeah, it's always a good argument to fall back on when right. people get too hyped. Right. <laughs> right. Um, for me, I I knew it was a reimagining, but I didn't know what kind of set it apart. Um, and one very one. Oh, I'm sorry. How did you enjoy it? How did you enjoy the presentation from from the we go? We will definitely opinion? get into it. Uh, but probably the most jarring thing and the thing I liked about it was I'll go into more depth later, but I didn't realize that it was almost word for word. Mm, and that, trick. that something that this was the thing that set it out. Uh, I was like, nice. okay, I fucking I like uh, when I looked at it, I was like, okay, 90s, we got Leo, it's after Titanic, ha ha ha, frosted tips, ha ha ha, and. And then all of a sudden, um, it's actually when the Queen's we started. English. When we started it, I was like, "Okay, it's the TV coming in, and we're having this like pretext before the movie." Um, but then it turns out that play that, slash movie, right? um, and it was just a, it was a nice. Like I said, the movie starts out with a bang. It does. Um, it truly does. Um, it lures you in, and I mean, it really you have to see what's next. Mm-hmm. So, Damon, I'm about to get into the recap, but I want to... So, on uh, Into the Zeitgeist, we have an opening segment called Purging Your Sins. And Uh-oh. I sit and we purge our sins. Purge and the I sins. think I have to do one here. Go for it. Just um, a small I'm one. I pulled this recap from IMDb, so all credit to them. Sure. Um, just because this is kind of a standard story I feel like a lot of people just generally know but it's a nice uh, hmm. uh, recap of, of you know, hmm. what do you mean he said no go ahead oh okay I'm continuing on wow um, but yeah let me get into it and then go we can go it. we can go into a go more depth Hello, audience. I had to cut in here because I just, uh, the, the plot summary that I pulled, uh, from IMDb just wasn't up to snuff. So, um, it's actually going to be from Wikipedia. Purge my son. <laughs> in Verona Beach, the Capulets and Montagues are two rival business empires. The animosity of the older generation is felt by their younger relatives. A gunfight between Montagues led by Benvolio, Romeo's cousin, and Capulets led by Tybalt, Juliet's cousin, creates chaos in the city. Being the third civil brawl, the chief of police, Captain Prince, reprimands the families, warning them that if such an event occurs again, their lives, quote, shall pay the forfeit of the peace, unquote. Benvolio and Romeo learn of a Capulet party that evening, which they decide to gate crash. 
Romeo agrees on hearing that Rosalind, with whom he is in love, is attending. They meet their friend Mercutio, who has tickets to the party, and Romeo takes ecstasy as they proceed to the Capulet mansion. The effects of the drug and the party overwhelm Romeo, who goes to the restroom. There he sees Juliet, and the two instantly fall in love, both unaware of who the other is. Tybalt spots Romeo and vows to kill him for invading his family's home. After Romeo leaves the party, he and Juliet each learn that they belong to feuding families. But Romeo returns to see her. Juliet tells him that if he sends word by the following day, they will be betrothed. The next day, Romeo asks Friar Lawrence to marry them, and he agrees. Romeo passes the word on to Juliet via Juliet's nurse, and they soon get married. Tybalt encounters Mercutio and Romeo at the beach. Romeo attempts to make peace, but Tybalt assaults him. Mercutio intervenes and batters Tybalt and is about to kill him when Romeo stops him. Tybalt takes the opportunity to fatally wound Mercutio, who curses both houses before dying. Enraged, Romeo chases after the fleeing Tybalt and shoots him dead, avenging Mercutio's death. Captain Prince banishes Romeo from the city, and he goes into hiding with Friar Lawrence. The nurse arrives and tells him that Juliet is waiting for him. The nurse arrives and tells him that Juliet is waiting for him. Romeo climbs Juliet's balcony and they consummate their marriage, with Romeo departing soon after. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Dave Paris is set to marry Juliet, the governor's son. The next morning, Gloria informs Juliet that she is to marry Paris, and when Juliet refuses, her family threatens to disown her. Juliet runs away and seeks out Friar Lawrence, imploring him to help her whilst threatening to commit suicide. Friar Lawrence gives her a potion that will let her fake her own death, after which she will be placed within the Capulet vault to awaken 24 hours later. Lawrence vows to inform Romeo of the plot via letter, whereupon the latter will sneak into the vault and once reunited with Juliet, the two will escape to Montau. Romeo does not see the delivered letter, however, and believing Juliet to be dead, buys a vial of poison from an apothecary. Romeo enters the church where Juliet lies and consumes the poison just as Juliet wakes up. Distraught over Romeo's death, Juliet picks up his gun and shoots herself in the head, falling down beside his lifeless body. Romeo and Juliet's bodies are taken inside an ambulance with a crowd of spectators and reporters observing the incident from behind a police line, where the parents of both Romeo and Juliet arrive in the scene. Captain Prince approaches their fathers, asking them to see the scour that has resulted from their feud, including him losing his kinsmen and that heaven has found means to kill their joys with love. The captain then shouts on them, saying, all are punished. So, Damon, when you first watched this movie, what were your initial impressions? Ooh, ooh. Initially, when I watched it, mind you, I was a senior in high school, bruh. My impressions? I wasn't worried about my impressions. I was worried about who I was with and their impressions. Uh, explain. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I'm good, man. Um, th- uh, let's just say if I had uh, female friends, I see that I would see. enjoy the, the 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 watching of this movie. I if, see. In the I '90s, see. this was a Netflix and chill. 
Ah, uh, VHS. So it was, it was Romeo and Juliet and chill. V- <laughs> That's v- a fucked up VHS, grammatical sentence, but <laughs> v- v- VCR and <laughs> never mind. Romeo and Romeo Juliet and Juliet and VCR and, and <laughs> VCR. we own it. Classic. And we own it. But you feel me? Yes. Yeah. My initial impressions. Uh, that's what I was using it for, to be honest, because it was such a, it was a rom- a romance that was a romance for the ages, but it was a romance that it was it was hot in in and of that. Uh, I mean, a lot of the people I, I I was surrounded by in high school that that felt the same way. It was a sexy movie. It was it was unique and it was instant classic for us. Yeah, definitely after the fucking meteoric rise of Titanic a few years oh, earlier. Oh, yes. Like, that was the hot Leo. shit. Hot shit. Leo. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it gets glossed over. Now, Claire Danes is known for her current role in... Um, there's a show, I believe it's on Showtime. Claire Danes. Is it um, Homeland? It certainly is. It's yeah, I did not realize that that was her. That's that's Claire Danes, but that's how most people know her now. Right. I knew her prior to this movie. What was the TV show? My So-Called Wife. Ah, uh, right. When MTV was just doing melodramas for its first time, its first runs, there were things like Dawson's Creek mm-hmm. and My So-Called Wife, which just showed the teen angst of our times uh, for the first time like we had never seen. So mm-hmm. there was an infatuation, some would say, cultism. I mean, Claire Danes had a following yeah, uh, because of her role in that for us. Mm-hmm. We grew up with that. She must have fucking hit it out of the park, yeah? Well, I mean, we also grew up with Saved by the Bell, so there's that. <laughs> I, you, you would have to tell me all about that one because I'm yeah, fucking no, thing. Everybody's got screech powers. I'll be that guy. I'll be your screech powers. My screech powers. You can be. Powers. You can be Zach Morris. Oh, okay. I, I'll be screech I know powers. that. I was like, "What the fuck?" Is that? Is that somebody's Say name? That's a yeah, fucking a great thing. name. It's a nineties thing. So, I, yeah, definitely. Screech fucking powers. definitely. Screech powers. Um, Shout out to Dustin Diamond. I guess speaking of like the actors at the moment, uh, for Leo, for me, I remember. Yeah, Titanic. We had that one on VHS. God damn, and that one fucking get run ruined. But both, both tapes. Yeah, both tapes. Yes, both exactly. Tapes. Both tapes. Probably the second one more because uh-huh. it started out wherever they were yeah. underwater, and that's my favorite part of that whole movie is is, is where Leo's like in fucking chest high water. That's, um, that's my. That's your favorite. That's my favorite part. That hurts me. Whatever you he's let, trying to escape from the let fucking. Go, you let go, of Jack. You let go of Jack way before Jack let go of Jack. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I was all about that other lady. You know, which I don't know her name. Fantastically, you could always throw a. She could have helped Jack off the door in the water. Eh, there's Jack a lot of in there. back and forth about all that jazz. Yeah, but a Jack off joke is always appeared. Jesus, classic, classic. Um, I know him, I remember watching him, like, kind of for the, I don't know, trying to think back, I think of this one memory of, went over to a friend's house, um, and watched The Departed with his family during Ooh, a cookout. Uh, love Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese, which I really want to watch, um... Genius. Genius. I want to watch that fucking, what's that? Not The Godfather, um... 
Goodfellas. Goodfellas. I want to watch that. So uh, here's an interesting factoid about you want to watch in Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Paul Sorvino is in Goodfellas and Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Paul Sorvino is Juliet Capulet's father, father in this movie. I see. And Paul see. Sorvino Something is also in. in Goodfellas. Goodfellas. That you're just trying to see. That's fun. That's nice. fun. But I really love but The Departed. I love Jack Nicholson, too. So yeah, it's like, great, 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 yeah. great, great, So it's just a nice combo. Um, but Leo, yeah. So, I mean, him in that was a great role. Departed was a great role. And that was your first introduction to a Leo as an actor. It was yeah. still not a bad way to go. But Inception was there. He's very proliferated by, my, by the time I got conscious of the... The goings on of um, you right, know, no. um, pop culture and shit like that. So he he was he he. I think for me, we just watched uh, Catch Me If You Can with nice. him and Tom Hanks. A good role, by the way. He mm-hmm. Another very prolific. Yeah, he learned a lot from Tom Hanks in that. I'm that sure film. you can understand the two conversations back and forth between those two offset. Is that before or after? <sighs> this after, 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 after. Mm-hmm. Now where we're at with Leo DiCaprio, I. I saw him first, and in my mind's eye, as, as a, the great actor that he is, as what's eating Gilbert Grape across from... You haven't seen that? No, I'm oh. shaking my head right at this moment. I've never seen that one. Is that another good one? That, oh, brother. That was actually his first... Uh, his role similar he was to like, the He like a child. Right, yeah. right, right. It was for him to stray so far from what was normal but seemed so normal he, he was it was it was too much for somebody so young it was too much talent hmm. and you could see it even in that movie it just it was right. it was I can see the wave that that movie had right yeah. well in, in the timing of it with one in society and then two in himself right yeah, right Leo's self yeah he's good he's a good actor um what would you you know, I put down here. I was gonna ask you what movie like you thought he should have because I don't. What's that fucking movie he won the uh, the Academy the Award for? The Revenant. The Revenant. The Revenant. Yeah. Did not like that movie. Yeah. I feel like part of his part in this movie definitely whenever he was like expounding um, when. Julia was in the coma. Yes. Uh, right before she woke up. Oh. After, right after he took the poison. So emotional. Um, like, the factoid yeah. uh, that I didn't write down later, but she had to... I actually don't know if I, I wrote that down. Well, I hope uh, you did. Yeah, no, I, I didn't write that down, but uh, she... Like, Claire Danes had to stop herself from crying because Leo was just so fucking into it. And, like... Um, I think that's like one of the small portions of the movie that they change a little, right. a little something. Well, the initial, the initial, the the initial screening of it with with those two and the first time at it, you 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 hit it on the head. Like she couldn't contain herself, and she when they when they yelled cut, she actually sat up and slapped Leo and told him to not make her that emotional and cry she's trying to act. Bro, what? Kid you not. Uh, it was a that's playful like, slap, but a, a slap to, come on, bro, don't be so serious. Like she Bro, that's the whole fucking it. point. Yeah, but... That's the whole motherfucking point. But they got that on camera. 
They got that. Bruh. Right, right, right. That will right. live in infamy. So it's there. It's yeah. on it. You got it. Wow. Nice. Oh, Claire. Wow. Oh, Claire. Um, I want to. I want to kind of circle back around. Uh, you were talking right after this recap. I. I do want to really get, reiterate that IMDb. That was a pretty bad one. You definitely um, the cadence on that. Uh, I think God. William Shakespeare has a better right, cadence right, than fucking right. this. That was not an iambic pentameter um, at all. So. But I wanted to talk about Shakespeare for a minute. Let's um, do that. I just talking about the. Um, the man, the myth, the legend. What some would call a monologue is also, and I guess in plays, known as soliloquies. Soliloquy. Um, just they expound on their feelings and shit like that. Correct. And I, I don't know. I love it. I love it. Um, you- I was going to ask what your favorite play of Shakespeare's was because you're very, you're very educated, well read. Yes. I'm a well-read individual. Yes. Uh, We'll go that route. And in regards to my favorite, I don't know. There's so many that are so good. Mm -hmm. I I do like... Right off the top of your head. Speed uh, round. King Lear. Oh, dude, you picked mine! Really? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I love that. I love that one. It's just like the... I don't know. The the message behind it. Very Uh, close second is Othello. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of Othello. Mm-hmm. It that for me it was a that principle. one's that one's cliche for me. Yeah, but it was, the, <laughs> it was the principle behind it. It was the moralistic version of that I needed at a time when I when I saw it. Okay, we'll that fair, one. fair enough. King Lear, I, I really love just like the Spice. the message behind it. But nice. one thing that I took away from King Lear out of like everything from it is that like because he has the three daughters, so King Lear has three daughters, and two of them like fucking Baptist, <laughs> but the other one is just like nah. Like uh, I'm not really yeah. gonna say anything. Like, um, and at the end of the movie, she co- or end of the play. Excuse me. I don't know if they they should do a fucking King Lear. King Lear. Like, play. oh, that'd be fucking We're cool. Um, but they, oh my god, right? Fucking sign me up. Um, but the message of like her coming back at the end to save. Him. There's a lot else that goes yes. on in King Lear after that point, but, we're but not here that from King that Lear. from that point, it's like. I don't know. I've always took the. I'm not going to placate to somebody after right. a point. There's a yeah. No, I, I feel. Uh, in a way, you know, showing appreciation. We got we all got our love languages. Blah blah blah. But knowing that I, for example, my family, I love them to death. I shouldn't have to like shout it out to the heavens like every moment I can, and. The I don't know the loyalty it kind of is paralleling fucking um, Romeo and Juliet here. Absolutely, um, it is just that you know connection. Um, I've always I've always thought thought of that. Uh, well, took that away from King Lear. There's a familial tie into uh, a lot of his plays, and which oddly enough, Baz Luhrmann, when filming and directing and putting his hand all over this movie, mm-hmm. uh, he did shout out to all of Shakespeare's other works. If you pay attention when you're watching the movie in the mm-hmm. background, all yeah. the billboards, all the names of all the huts and things that you mm-hmm. see all over the place, even goes so far as name the pool hall in one of the opening scenes. Oh, right. Remember the pool hall? Mm-hmm. I do. The pool hall has a name. It is, uh, it's actually in uh, the grove, the Sycamore Grove, where... Uh, 
Romeo is seen so early walking, uh, you know, augmenting the fresh morning's dew. And that's uh, what yes. that's that's what his father says. Mm. And when he's out just uh, in this in, in the movie, he's just chilling, you know, and he's and you can tell he's upset. When his cousin goes to find out, his cousin, oh, Benvolio, Benvolio. Mm-hmm. When his cousin goes to uh, cheer him up, really, and get him over his lost love, Rosaline, they go to this pool hole in the movie. And the, uh, the pool hole is uh, named after the actual theater that Shakespeare's plays were originally performed in, the Globe Theater mm. in London. Oh was where Shakespeare's plays were first introduced to the British That's a weird guy. And the name of the pool hall is The Globe. It is a throwback to the original... That's like a deep tie. Like, that's deep cut. So you gotta gotta know some shit. Look in the background of this movie and you will notice it. The, Mm -hmm. the, the, The... not only the product's names are are from other plays, but right. you'll see different quotes that are in Damn. there, and those quotes are just part of advertising and what you see in the background, but no, they're actually throwbacks to Shakespeare's other works. Mm. Baz Luhrmann's a genius, kids. Yeah, I was about to say, speaking of Baz Luhrmann, the director, I mm. did not know anything about this gentleman. Um, he was very... It kind of reminds me of, like, Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, Eclectic. No, no, in the way that uh, I didn't know about uh, him before. And, like, I after you talking about him so much, like, I was supposed to watch Moulin Rouge. Moulin. And he did that as well. Correct. And I heard that one's fucking off it the charts. It is fantastic. Don't fantastic. Like, don't like musicals very much, but... You can kind of see where his Australian background throws into not is only Moulin it, Rouge, it but... a darker shade in, uh, in Moulin Rouge? Then what you would assume if you hadn't seen it, yes. But mm-hmm. it is still a great, great watch. Oh, oh it's mm-hmm. a great watch. Love Ian McGregor. Oh, oh. man. Star and, Wars 2. And, 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 and as, I mean, look, as his casting is always on point... Um, he knew that he had to have this American actor Leo in his movie, and he was right. Yeah, he yeah. was absolutely right. Good choice, right. fucking good choice. Claire Danes is really good too. They really fucking sell it. Oh yeah, yeah. More than once. Yeah, right. More than <laughs> uh, once. More than I, I kind of want to go back. Um, well, actually, I bring the tissues. Talking, talking. Okay, so the uh, bring the tissues just in case. Correct me. If I'm wrong, this the, the pronunciation, uh, the Prince of Cats, Tybalt, um, Tybalt, Tybalt, the Julius actor's Tybalt. the actor's name. I always, uh, John Leguizamo. 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 That is a, such a far like hard pronunciation. Well, you're not going to mistake him for the other John Leguizamo. We'll go that route. There's only one. There's only one. <laughs> um, so I, I wanted to run back through a little bit because um, no recap was wasn't the best. But starting at the beginning, he. One of my favorite parts of this movie is him. Um, he doesn't remind me of too much. I don't um, understand that. Because I, I see think you. he's I see a you, you. you. Oh, really? Wow. A little spicy? A little s- But he, he is part of the reason the movie fucking starts oh, off with yes, a fucking bang. Yes. Um, and here's, here's the kick. When he originally tried to be in this film, he auditioned for the role of Mercutio. 
you were telling me something about the best friend. And he didn't get the role of Mercutio because Baz Luhrmann knew that he wanted an African-American actor. Mm. Where, whereas John Leguizamo ends up in the Tybalt role, but it sells it because that was where he was supposed to be. You can tell by watching, Mm -hmm. he was supposed to be that. Have you ever seen Jackie Brown? I have. So uh, one of my favorites, one nice, of my fucking favorites. Nice. Um, but they did a similar thing with Robert Forrester. Um, he, or excuse me, uh, Robert De Niro is also in that movie. He auditioned for um, the role of uh, what's this dude, Max Candy, uh, right, the bail right. bondsman. Yeah, and didn't he he didn't get it, but he moved him over to another role, and Robert Forrester came in and like killed it with and Jack or Pam Greer. That's fucking, right. Mm, that's mm-hmm. right, and it's you can tell when in certain movies when that happens, and you can tell you can just feels like this character was made for this actor. Right, John Leguizamo was mm-hmm. made for this role. Speaking of that, it, <sighs> I really always appreciate uh, people who write story who have the fucking balls to write uh, a movie or something or storyboard right. it with a particular actor in, in mind. mind. Yes, that balls it. You're right. um, You're right. they did it with uh, that most recent Joker movie, uh, and. I was like, dude, Walking Fan. I love Walking Fan. Have you ever seen uh, Buffalo Soldier? Yes. Great movie. Walking great movie. Great. That's a that's another great movie. I always Germany. Speaking of Germany, my my twin sister, my dad, and my grandfather, his dad, um, they all went to Germany for their service, mm-hmm. um, and so that's why I like Buffalo Soldier because it's like they were like nice. That's it. This is motherfucking uh, yeah, yeah, like fucking red light district. Here we go. Uh, (laughs) Down down in uh, Frankfurt. Oh lord. Uh, That's a whole new. Yeah, that's a whole new podcast. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Um, Nonetheless, yeah, starts off with a bang. I love, I love the Prince of Cats uh, in this movie. He's a great role. There's that whole beginning because it's not. Maybe I even said it a little earlier, maybe in a different way, but it is very jarring um, because I was like, when I saw this like 90s aesthetic coming on from this, uh, we mentioned earlier, like the beginning part was like kind of like a trailer and you said like this new punk, like really bright colors and I was like, oh, okay, we're, we're about to like throw some fucking like... Um, slurs or something that throws slurs or uh, I don't know fucking just cuss up a motherfucking storm but it was English it was English the the Queen's English yes Queen's New English as they would say now now Shakespeare is written old old English excuse me what the fuck (laughs) Shakespeare is written in what is known as iambic pentameter but Mm -hmm. uh, here's a fact Help, help the audience if they don't know what that I, is. Iambic pentameter is it's a, it's a writing mechanism that authors use to keep a certain um, tempo and pace to their writing. It's uh, not used nowadays, so mm-hmm. to speak, but... Uh, it's, it's the structure of poems, certain right, genre right. poems, well, haikus. Correct, when, you're, like looking at, yeah. when you're looking at different structures of, of, of how to put it together. But and continue, I'm sorry. Iambic pentameter is one of those such devices mm-hmm. in the English language of yore. Right. Well, the only actor in this movie to actually speak his lines only in iambic pentameter is... Father uh, Lawrence. Father Lawrence, really? Peter Post, Postle, Postlethwaite. Thwaite. Yes, Postlethwaite. Peter Postlethwaite. Rest in peace, and I'm sorry for just destroying your name. Oh, Lord. He is the actor that plays 
Father Lawrence, and he is a British actor. And got he was his, really cool. Uh, he really killed it. He, uh, yeah, well, he got to start doing stage acting in Shakespearean yeah. plays in nice. England, so mm-hmm. kind of was fitting for him to be in this movie. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's right. That's cool. That's a nice fact. Um, I, yeah, he's a good part of this movie. Father he's Lawrence. Really he's really tan. He's thing. really tan in this motherfucking right, movie. But, and, and when he produces his lines, though, he does it with such grace mm-hmm. that you can't un, you you can't tell that he's using uh, iambic pentameter. Yes. You can't tell that he's speaking what was written three hundred years ago. Now you wouldn't. The cadence is a real thing. Everybody has that like hard ending in the. It's kind of yeah, yeah, no, hard endings you, with it you. to like I don't know. I'm fucking rhyming here, ha ha ha. You know, he you gets know. It, he gets it. But, so yeah, but Peter Post Postlewaite, Postlewaite. God, I'm not going to get that because no. I, I I I just I just found out that I was mispronouncing it. Oh. I thought it was Postlewaite, but oh. of course here we are. Americanized English. It's postal. Peter right. Postal weight. Mm-hmm. That's, that's New it. versus the old. Am I right? right. That's, that's, that's <laughs> again, I'm sorry for butchering your name. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I'm sure he's appreciative of that. Um, nonetheless, that street brawl uh, at the beginning. I just love that. Like really jolt of um, action. I don't know. Draws yeah, exactly. Um, Draws I, you in. Fucking the Prince that, of Cats uh, that fucking kills it. sequence brings you in. And it's a love story, bro. Mm-hmm. It's a love story. This is what it is. It's a love tragedy. Mm-hmm. But it starts out with such pizzazz, you wouldn't believe it would be a, a love tragedy. Watching that scene, no way. Right, right. No way. I'm sure people back in the 90s who were eclectic and knew the story of, of them. Can I have one of those? Oh, you uh, I'm totally yeah. keeping this part of the podcast. I, I just had to ask Damon for a gummy. I just definitely had to. They're the new Haribo Sour Kicks. Mm, so fucking good. They're shaped like shoes and they are kicking. But nonetheless. Nonetheless. Continue. <laughs> so where were we? Let's get into this. Yeah, we were talking about the um, the beginning. I think we we kind of expounded on that a little bit. Love it's the, just love the actor, the the color, the pop. The, you just you, you'll know what we're talking about as soon as you start the movie. Oh, definitely, right definitely. on. Um, but continuing on, uh, how'd you like that uh, middle part where, like, Romeo Leo is just like um, all broken up about Rosalind and. Um, before he meets Juliet at that ball. I guess that ball sequence is... I fucking love that ball sequence. It's very nice. Um, I think the the generation that was living it, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the young males, we were more along the lines of Romeo's, as you call it, the soliloquy at the beginning mm-hmm. when he's in the Sycamore Grove. Ah, yes. And it was, it was quite popular to talk in that fashion in that way using those quotes it was one of those things it was our anchorman before anchorman you would use those Ron Burgundy quotes like nobody's business when oh, anchorman I see. was popular okay I, right. I see but I, I don't know if I would go to that extent especially well, with the with the it's not the same emotion I no, don't think not, not, not the but, same emotion yeah, well we had, I had a different link to this so yeah, yeah fair enough fair enough um, and yeah, what about the ball sequence um, where they first meet? Well, absolutely cool. Oh, the yeah. way that Baz Luhrmann has them in, in costume, in this costume ball, and they're supposed to be masked up, and nobody's identity is supposed to be known. Now, of course, that wouldn't work for 
film, you, you definitely need to see who the actors and actresses are. So Baz Luhrmann has them dressed in these costumes in this costume ball mm-hmm. as the character's nature in the actual play. So Tibble being the Prince of Cats and more of a devilish features was appropriately dressed as the devil. Absolutely. A frivolous queen was, of course, Capulet's wife. Frivolous lady of all things. What was she dressed as? She was dressed as a... Cleopatra, right? Absolutely. Right, 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 right. right. If you'll recall, Cleopatra also had uh, boy toy issues in her life story. Don't tell me about Mark Anthony. I'm just just saying it has that correlation to Capulet and... Her enjoying her nephew's company more often than her husband's. Mm, yeah, there's yep. that theory. Exactly. Right. Hey, there we go. Um, but yeah, the, and then it leads into the classic. The, the everybody who thinks the about fish tank the, scene. the fish tank scene. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we were talking about that in face to face. They apparently had like a lighting issue. They did have a lighting issue, but it was resolved after lots of trial and error. They ended up realizing the only way to have his face and her face, both lit in the scene, was to drop tube lights down the side of the pole. Inside the fish tank, mm-hmm. they had lighting where they just a simple tube light. And that's the only lighting that they used for the scene. That's why their faces look so mm-hmm. aqua-luminescent. Right. I'm sure them, them fish were stressed out uh, with all pro- the people probably, being up in it. Probably. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, if they have the memory span... Business. If they have the memory span of a goldfish, it doesn't matter because they forgot three seconds. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, great part. I love that. I, uh, we were talking about the soundtrack earlier. I listened to it on the way home today. Mm-hmm. But there's a great song that is over that. I can't remember exactly what it was called. Um, I'll have to look at it later. But um, definitely enjoy. Yeah, the soundtrack, I... Uh, oh. That again, a uh, generational thing, but that soundtrack was just slamming in the '90s. It really was. It was a good. It was a good, a good bop. We'll you, say you're pulling up the man or the manual. Oh my god, what the fuck? A little uh, insert the from way. yeah from the CD. This is the compact disc from um, the '90s. A lot of Radiohead. Yeah, that I, I, I figured they just have. from that little portion. Uh, you. I guess maybe I want to I want to ask you about your experience with the music because you were talking about you're very one of the big aspects I qualities in you uh, that I find is you have you have great taste in music. Um, Thank you, sir. And I want you to expound on your love for this official soundtrack. Well, the, I think it was again you know it was just the time of my life where these songs coming out like and some of these songs in the soundtrack are not released yet and in, in, in the 90s when the movie came out some of these songs were just now being heard for the first time on this film and they didn't have their singles actually released until after the film was released so some of these were absolutely just gems that we had found you know a Radiohead track that nobody ever heard what? absolute craziness and then to know that the first the first one that was released was the uh, official soundtrack. Yeah, it was actually released before the movie was released. 
Hmm. True story. The official Angel, Angel by Gavin Friday. Oh, that's the Angel. song that was over them meeting for the first oh, time. Oh yeah, the, when they meet the meeting. Yeah, no, I know. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that's good shit. Oh that's yeah, good shit. yeah, you betcha. Um, and then we lead into the like classic. Like I was, I was gonna go into uh, earlier before we got off on that tangent. I love it, uh, but we lead into the classic balcony scene um, where or well I guess in this one it wasn't actually at first okay I was mixing up a part because he like hides from Juliet and she's Correct. she was in her own soliloquy at the moment that's right um, a rose by any other name David uh, David it's still the turn of a few hours we get back to the classic balcony scene oh um, yeah it's good it's good I, I think it, it, I think we're missing a very very important part to the entire storyline. Wait a minute, Mercutio's oh. arrival. Yes, when Mercutio arrives, that's, that's Romeo's best friend. When he right. arrives on scene for the first time, he's in drag, mm-hmm. yep. delivering. He's delivering. He's a, he's, he was in the white. Yes, oh. he had a crazy costume. Oh, like that was, ball. Oh, no, it's jamming. It yeah. is. He is on it, boy. That costume was made for him. Oh, that totally. lipstick too. Oh. Mm. Anyhow, he uh, he arrives and he's carrying with him the invitations. To the Capulet gown or the ball gown, that's what he's that's what he's giving out when he's whipping these invitations out. He's giving he's out the, one the invitations. Who it up. Right. He's the one who hooked it up. See, Mercutio wasn't a he wasn't a Capulet, right. but Mercutio wasn't a Montague either. Right. He was just a friend of a friend, so exactly. he could get in. Yeah. And he brought extra tickets. So here what we go. I, I'm so they sneak I'm in. really ashamed that we didn't bring him up sooner because he's good. But he's the good. parts where in this movie. Is uh, where he gives Mercutio uh, gives Romeo uh, what looks to be like a tab of MDMA or some sort of drug. Oh, right, for before sure. the ball. I forgot about Correct. that. Forgot now, about that, that is a simple throw to Queen Mab. Queen Mab was uh, a legitimate feature in Shakespearean times in which uh, Queen Mab was the the keeper of dreams and the lady, the fairy, the the fairy of the night had a name for her. Right, the sleepwalking fairy of of, of sand your, woman. Right, right, basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mister Inner Sand Woman. Inner Sand Woman, nice. Love the dog. So I got that instantly. I love it. Uh, I feel you. I feel you. So she, the Queen Mab of the actual story, uh, the actual play. Um, was a Queen Mab feature, but how to bring that into the 90s? Well, that Queen Mab craziness that was in the, the, the Queen Mab visiting you, well, the Queen Mab that visited was drugs. And when you see him right before the fish tank scene, his face is coming out of water and his hair is wet in that scene. Why? Because he just got done tossing cookies and he is hot as hell off Queen Mab. I love it. Off love Queen Mab. That mm-hmm. Queen Mab got him. That um, Queen Mab got him crazy. That's always now something that I've that. always really like wondered now about. think about that. He Back is in there and falling in love for the first time with a 13-year-old young lady across the way who he's never met before because Queen Mab... Has got him crazy. Now, how do you say that so in nineteen? This brings up this brings up What's a good. Queen Mab? This 
brings up a really good MDMA. Uh, no, no, uh, like a, a tangent of that I want to go on. Do you believe in love at first sight? I yes, I certainly do. Okay, okay, and I don't mean that it's more than anything intangible as love uh, at first sight. You may not see a love at first sight um, as as a as a, as a, as a, a future. Um, down the road uh, and you may still have that love at first sight still doesn't mean you don't love them they're just mm. they're not with, mm. with you at, at, yeah, at, as right. is there's, like, there's many like, a thing you, it's like acquaintances and right. friends you had it's a relation absolutely yeah. mm-hmm. somebody you knew for sure for sure was your people's mm-hmm. oh yeah oh, that's yeah. love talking about vibes earlier. that's love exactly amen bro and yeah no and they Baz Luhrmann did a great job uh, I kind of circling back to him he's kind of like an auteur in that way mm, absolutely. Um, auteur absolutely. being like a fucking like poet of the fucking silver screen or not silver screen excuse me the fucking big screen you know he he did his he did his job as the co-producer co-writer he did his job he, mm-hmm. it, this is this is his jam and it, it is actually his jam even though it says William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet it doesn't say and I don't know if you mm. noticed that in the title and on the sequences in the movie itself there's a ampersand and a plus sign in blood but the word and is omitted for legal reasons romeo juliet that's all that romeo william shakespeare's romeo plus juliet is not the same thing as romeo and juliet and legally can change the words up and not use iambic pentameter and not that's, and that's still what be we were talking about hinting at earlier bingo mm-hmm. right right so is it technically William Shakespeare's mm, no it's Baz Luhrmann's yeah Baz Luhrmann's William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet right. we'll say that right and it's worth it mm-hmm it's oh my god! It's just, this conversation comes up just like the imitation thing. Like I, right off the top of my head, when you said that, like slowly offbeat, but like you know those um, monster fighting movies that came out, Pacific Rim. Yes, that came out like just totally a fucking rip off of like Godzilla kind of. Right. Yeah, or like um, Gundam or right. fucking Gundam something. Style, right. Um, what's but that? Bad, what's that one? What's that one anime um, with the fighting robots? Um, uh, you could tell me. Yeah. Um, you got me. Yeah. You got me. Baz Luhrmann. Good job. He also, he also did The Great Gatsby, too. Yes. Uh, I, and with, his, he has, like, a style. With style guy. Uh, who's in that uh, Who's in that role in The Great Gatsby? Mr. Leo himself. Mm, mm. Sexy son of a Leo. Mm-hmm. Hey, whenever you create that relation, uh, it's like Samuel Jackson and... Mm. and um, Tarantino. Right. Or um, Johnny Depp. And um, uh, what's her... What's his name? Creepy horror guy. Um, I was about to say Freddy Krueger. The creepy horror guy. Um, Always always has Johnny Depp in his movies. Mm. Hammer Scissor Hands. Um, Oh, Tim Burton. Yeah. There you go. Tim Burton has... Nice. There you go. Nice. It's Tim Burton. Nice. Now we know. Damon, um, I don't know if you want to talk anything. We'll definitely have a chance to kind of go into things that weren't discussed, but I want to get into our likes about this movie. Specific oh, well, things. okay. Specific likes? Yes. We don't have time. So, there's just 
too many so individual yeah. likes mm-hmm. for me. Okay. Um, I think I'm, I'm interested. What was you, what was your like oh. of the movie, David? Um, I had quite a lot there. I was actually whenever I was creating the outline for this one, I was actually having problems coming up with things that I disliked about the movie, mm, and, which was act, kind of telling in itself about how much this movie is. I don't know. I like. We'll go, we'll, we'll go that. We way. have an award segment at the mm, end closing, yes, and but it's um, not now. I yeah. I don't want to well, say. I, I don't want to say the c word as they would own. say. But um, for me personally, um, I really enjoyed the Prince of Cats. Mm. Um, I just I love the sideburns. Understand. Um, it really flare. killed it. Um, another I really enjoy in the latter half of the movie. Um, we we. We did glaze over a lot. Mercutio dying in a mm. duel with um, a Tibble. Mm. on both your houses. Um, but Leo wears this blue Hawaiian shirt through that latter half of the movie. And, oh my god, dude, I want that motherfucking right. shirt, that is dude. A nice, that, nice that is That is a like of mine, god damn it. Right. <laughs> that with, and, and he had that forearm bandage thing going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And one last thing, and then I'll pass it over to you. Um, speaking of you, whenever you came over to watch it, your commentary along with the movie, it was very, it like a director's cut, so to speak. Uh, it was like, had that, you know, we were talking Old English earlier, um, talking about that, but you were like intersecting with uh, what, they, what they were feeling in their hearts, and I was like, okay, like this is just some bomb-ass stuff, so. I was just, I was just calling it. Like I synced it, mm-hmm. and it was actually quite quite humorous. I, I had a good time. Oh yeah. yeah, it was a it was a fun it was a fun time. Probably one of I would say top three times I've watched that movie. Mm-hmm. This was number two. Oh, nice, nice. I... Close, uh, not even well, not even a close second. Oh. Well, that first one was well, none of your damn business. Right, <laughs> right. That's like but human. a second. Silver place between me and the sheets. That's right. Oh <laughs> uh, lord. Um, but yeah, now I'm gonna pass it over to you. I, you, I know you say I know you say a lot, and I, I from your talkings, I I think you really enjoy the '90s aesthetic too. You like the official soundtrack, but I want you to uh, go into your the expansion of details. Which you- essentially what I liked about this production, as it was, it was so detail oriented. And such a great presentation. You're right. There's not a whole lot that you can dislike about this, which is flamboyantly different than one Roger Ebert. Oh yeah, you were talking about. I was. Earlier. I wanted to give you Roger Ebert's perspective of uh, this rendition of well, a classic play. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of very iconic moments in this movie. Very. Uh, I- Iconography, as they would say. Right. Um, now. Principal photography. <laughs> not now you see that now. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, you didn't know that it was going to be an icon of the 90s. You mm-hmm. didn't know it was going to be that scene. Or right. you didn't know it was going to win the MTV Best Kiss Award. You didn't know that right. when you first saw it. When you first saw it, it was just a presentation. How you perceived it, well, that's that's something that only each individual can do. You can only perceive it from your own standpoint. So, yeah, we're going to listen to some of the critics say, right. uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's spot on. I mean, right. 
Roger so Ebert Robert was considered yeah. to be, if not the greatest, I mean, one of the greatest critics out there. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I believe it was 75 Nobel Prize. Fuck. Yeah. Really? For, uh, yeah, for uh, uh, literature critique. Crit- yeah, critique. Oh. Some, something, of that, something of that caliber. Nice. I, I believe it was in 75. Even. I gotta, I gotta look into him more. I don't really know much about him. Yeah, well, um, I mean... I know he, he's a fucking name. Right, right. Well, he's considered, you know, of, of Siskel and Ebert, but Siskel and Ebert fame um, is where Roger Ebert is well known from as, mm-hmm. a, a, as a critic, uh, a movie critic, so to speak. But I feel a big butt coming in there's there. There's a well, yeah. The thing about it is, is uh, I guess nowadays you would just have to say, "Okay, Boomer," because <sighs> his viewpoints are antiquated as the story itself. If I'm being honest, uh, he's got his his viewpoint is rooted from a different standpoint. Here's how. Here, here's what I mean. I'm viewing this as a teenager watching a teenage Leo DiCaprio in that moment I'm living his age I'm living those romances I'm living that youthful sprite nature I'm living this new punk 90s I'm living this living that heartache right I'm living the guns not the swords I'm living that you know this is me living in in that movie Mm -hmm. and well Roger Ebert couldn't see himself in that because Roger Ebert was born in 42 my man 1942 of course touch really so by the time he saw his first Shakespearean drama that really settled him to the core and said that Romeo and Juliet was his fave in um, I believe it was 1968 he was a 26-year-old guy okay he was 26 when he first really fell in love with his movie version like the 1968 oh, version of Romeo and Juliet I see, I see. that's what he felt about oh, he, he's 26 okay. now I that's, see I see where those feelings are coming down yeah, right yeah. right so in 1996 when Baz Luhrmann presents this this wow in comparison to 1968 version well Roger Ebert's 54 at this point right you see right. he doesn't understand the new punk theme and right Okay, boomer. Right. right. Okay, That's a gener- generational thing that we keep coming so he back over to. Right. He doesn't understand what he's seeing. Um, uh, he didn't you, understand. You said in particular, I guess, wasn't it the the candle scene that? Oh uh, yeah. Well, the, which candle? Because there was about a million. Ain't <laughs> well, that the fucking uh, truth of it, though? The lighting. I mean, let's, he, let's be uh, honest. Yeah. Let's talk about this. Shout out that to was whoever like had an actual lighter for all those candles because they needed uh, a whole lot of lighters to get all those candles lit at once. Wow. So, shout out to the candle lighters on the cast and crew that never got named. Right. That sucks. But there was a bajillion there candles. Was a bajillion candles. And, uh, or a gazillion, one of the two. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know exact numbers. Like I said, we're not good at math here. Right. But that scene, it, I mean, it, it was, it was poetic just the candles in the scene it itself was enough to speak volumes as mm-hmm. the as the camera panned away from the death scene on on the dais, and you can see on the dais, on the dais, not on the dais, So on the dais, when it starts to pull away, and you start to catch this aerial view of it, and you start to see how 
small and insignificant these two really are mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. These and the family two are just small crypt. pinpricks. Of That's life. another fucking layer. It is the crypt. Mm-hmm. And whoa. But they oh, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they a lot are. of layers. I was going to make a layered. I was going to be a layered like, cake. And yeah, it's like the candles, the, the setting of well, the it. But then also Leo on top of it. He oh, layered his oh, fucking. But he's on top of the. He's on top he's of the. He's the motherfucking frosting, bitch. Yeah, no. Frosting on the cake. He was, uh, absolutely. But this movie, that, that, that scene in and of itself, it was just. Oh, it was. It was so well done. Mm-hmm. It really was. Okay. And, it, and it, as you see it from afar, you know, from watching it 20 or 30 times, you know, in my lifetime at this point, you can see, you can look back and you can see how great the cinematography was right. and see that when they pulled that, that, that sky camera angle that hadn't really been done all that well right. until you see this with all those cameras mm-hmm. and mirrors and, huh. and the flowers and the... It was so gorgeous. Cinematography. Well, and there was... We were talking course, to tour. There was, there was a, a sh- shout-out shout to the Virgin Mother who was in that little statue in the corner. Saw her as a Roman Catholic thing. She oh, was, I thought you were talking about the no, actual I, lady who was in a costume. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, in the was, corner. No, it was, a, it was a, just a shout-out to oh, the, okay. the statue I in see, the corner. She, she kept an eye on everything. Um, and yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. This is like, I'm glad we talked about this in particular. It was a great scene. Robert Eger, Robert Eger, Ebert, 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 um, Mr. Ebert. Right. I, you know, um, I, had, had a beef and he said that it was like, what? Uh, right. And, and no, this was in 96. And okay. Now his, his, he authored his words on the movie like shortly after seeing this. And it was an adaptation that he was not anywhere close to being ready for. It just wasn't. It, it was so new. Nobody was ready for it. Not, not film critics. Nobody right. was ready for this. Mm-hmm. And when it popped like it did, it just, I, I think it shook him and took a, you know, it took, took a step back and, 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 and just he saw it from a different perspective than the rest of us. I, I mean, you have to say... That twenty years twenty years after the movie, um, it's in the top fifty of the BFI. What to watch? You know, under fourteen. You know, I want to bring up a parallel that I see. Parallel. That, that right. I've, uh, thinking right off the top of my head, Martin Scorsese criticized the Marvel movies recently. Mm. And uh, I mean, I, it's a parallel that I see. It's definitely not to the degree I feel because right, you know, it's Mr. Un- Ebert is of higher caliber, and he has a little. But uh, the generational gap, the difference, nonetheless, the yeah, the, mm-hmm. yes, and yeah. it's and it's quite visible. But we're looking at it from where we're looking at it. We didn't look at it from then when it was spoken. So mm-hmm. when it was spoken, that's how we saw it. Now, right. twenty years off removed. Yeah, it's a different viewpoint, right? Yeah. Because it, it really did end up being a, a a hit, a massive hit in comparison to what its actual budget was. It was right. only Do budgeted. You know? Do you know? Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, it was only budgeted. I think it was fourteen, uh, fourteen point eight million. Was the no fourteen point five million was the budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, well, the box office gross, gross was over ten times that. I think over one hundred fifty one uh, million, like uh, one hundred fifty one point eight million. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're talking. That's ten times of what they put into it, so don't tell me it was a flop or a failure. Yeah, I'm talking earlier, we were talking about, I was curious about, like, the blockbuster nature that they, I guess, I was going to ask you about, like, was there a big comeuppance before this movie, a big hype train behind Abs- it? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it was, it, but it was the newest thing. It was, 
they had to do it the way they portrayed it because, well, you're per, you're, you're putting it on film um, that's going to be seen as a, a as a commercial, and and that commercial is what we're paying attention to. Because mm-hmm. remember, this is beginning stages of the internet. You're not right. catching us on advertising online. There is no sense. online. That makes sense. So the way to us, the the younger the, the younger generation, the media, right. they had to adapt to what they could adapt to. We were getting the brand new cell phones that were just now coming out. Mm-hmm. We were getting brand new pagers, Skytel, all that was amazing mm-hmm. when you didn't have to use a pay phone. I see. But this is this is that that step into the future. Uh, this is that analog to digital time frame. Interesting. And so it was like everywhere. Right. Mm. You couldn't escape it. Ooh. But that's it interesting. Was, that's was, an interesting was a case draw. study. It was a good draw. Like it really was. Um, definitely look into. It was a it was a good I mean it, it's not it it's not to say that, that he's not a trusted film critic, but I mean he, he slammed everything. He went he went as far as to say uh, negative things in regards to the soundtracks, the score. Mm. Uh, I mean, he of course he slammed on actors for acting. Uh, of course, it was he did give a super shout out to when you're Peter, so, Peter when Postlewaite. You're so tight. When Devin, uh, sorry, sorry <laughs> to interrupt. No, please. It's the I. When you said it earlier, like his love of the the sixties, right, you know, right, yeah. When people love something like that, like they're making can you a think, comparison. Can, to can that. I can I ask you just like a question? The if somebody in the future went back and remade a classic, like we were talking, what was it, Toy Soldiers? We were talking about if somebody today or like thirty years from now remakes Toy Soldiers. And is just fucking trashes toy soldiers right, and right. fucking throws its name in the garbage. Like I feel like maybe even GI Joe kind of did that uh, a little bit. You, uh, I can understand that. Yeah, but you have to. I think intent is is the key that we're missing here. What mm-hmm. was what was Baz Luhrmann doing when he did this? It wasn't a slap in the face of Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. This was actually his love of it. Right. 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 He was trying to feel how. It would be written if Shakespeare was alive in 1996 instead of 1696, right, you amazing. see. So there's a huge difference. What would Shakespeare have written if Shakespeare was alive today? Well, it wouldn't have been swords and rapiers. It right. would have been nine mills and shotties. Mm-hmm. Which they appropriately named rapiers and swords. <laughs> my sword long series? Sword. That, uh, my series 9. There's a series 9 sword. Yeah. Long, long sword was, uh, was in the, the, the limousine. Uh, oh, right. The, 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 the shotgun. The, yeah, the, the shotgun's stick, a long yeah. sword, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no. Shout out to old schools. Love it. Old schools. Well, Damon, um, enough about the like. So, I like I, I like a lot. You did? Well, I, I like a lot. A lot to love. A lot to love, yes. A lot to love. Now, um, I I'm, do like a lot, but I also dislike a lot. Well, and you would probably go along with... Uh, not, not in this movie in particular, but in general, I just... Have a lot of dislikes. Dislike that. I dislike that. You are the reason they need a dislike button. Oh, there we go. That's, there we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little cynic. You're that guy. Yeah. The cynic. Cynic in the soul. You can cynic. put simians. This is like uh, Dragon Ball Z time. Simian. Cynic power. Cynic. Cynica. E. Cynic. Oh lord. Cynical cynic. But uh, I want to talk about my dislikes, the few that they are. Um, Well, sum it it up. Tell me what you did not like. Actually, you let me go first last time. I'm going to let you go. Well, 
I mean, you're talking to somebody who, like I said, dude, we're talking. You're pouring your love, but if you had to find uh, something, you had to find if something. I, if I had to, if I had to, this find is a, people always give me this grief whenever we well, get I mean, to this. Because, well, yeah, well, here's it's why. kind of a fucked they, up they question to ask. This, yeah, it's loaded because it's a podcast, <laughs> and I get that. It is loaded. Oh my it's god, a, it's a it's a super loaded question. Mm-hmm. You're, you're inviting us here to discuss our fave movies, and then you're like, oh wait. Now tell me what you didn't like. Like, bruh, it's my favorite movie. I liked it all. There's nothing I didn't like. I, I, I didn't like when it ended. Uh, it was over. That's a good fucking it, answer. I didn't like that. That's good well, answer. and of course you wouldn't like the ending ending either. Spoiler alert, they both die. And there's credits at the end. There, and well, there's so, credits. Yeah, they, so. I mean, you won't see them through the tears because hey. they both die. Right. <laughs> Tragedy all around. <laughs> Tragedy all around. <laughs> Um, me, there was a few parts that Leo kind of, his cadence was off. Um, there's a little bit too much manipulation, I feel, in some parts. I think maybe there were portions, uh, where Mercutio and him were talking, like greeting one another, um, for the first time, I guess, in the movie. And it seems. Before he gives him the Molly before the ball. Right. Like, it it, seems stiff. uh, Yeah. Like he was, like it was not. Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. He's like, he's playing that. Fucking right. like was, uh, Charlie Sheen, bad boy. Right, but it was. I, I, I guess I could see that the parts that you didn't like was when Leo was trying to act, mm-hmm. but not be in love. Now the love part of the story oh, and the love scenes of the way story. That's a good Everybody's way to put a fan it. of that, but it's his acting outside of the love scenes mm-hmm. is what the detractors will say weren't mm-hmm. the positives. And see, there's exceptions to the rule too because. With it being so almost, you know, verbatim, verbatim, verbatim. Um, it kind of breaks. It, it kind of see a breakup in his style of acting, I guess. Um, right, it's not what you're used to. It's yeah. definitely not Leo. Because this is, uh, the, I mean, the I, the exception to the rule is I want to go back to the fucking family crypt scene um, where she, they both, you know, Romeo kills himself and then Juliet following. Um, is like so fucking moving that Claire Danes had to be like, "Yo, shut the fuck up!" Like, I gotta, I can't cry, bitch. You know, fucking bitch. I hate her for that reason alone. But there again, it was a love scene. Mm, Look at those eyes. Fair enough. I mean, you get an A. You get an A for effort bringing those eyes to the conversation. We're always shooting for an A minus. Gotta shoot for better. Just shush. And, and look at the camera. Just Play shush and look. A minus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord. Um, oh, but and yeah. then I guess one thing that I uh, this will be the last thing that I no, bring up. Uh, no, no, in dislike. In dislike. Oh, in dislike. Uh, um, I think that I really more. wanted more um, backstory into like the family feud like uh, how the how the fucking like godfather looking yeah, people yeah, yeah, were yeah, the mafia were operating and then what the what was the from? interplay between like uh, they they framed it at the beginning of the movie being like gangland type shit right and right, right, right. i i love tra- and you want training day is a great movie i love it right. and so see i want to see the fucking trench action sequence. exactly and that's why i really like the beginning part cuz we no, kind of nice. got a glimpse into that trench right. and so and then you kind of felt like down that it, it wasn't it wasn't enough of that right kind of felt let down I, no I totally I totally get that exactly but I can understand why it happened totally. Uh, totally. simply simply because you go back to that very beginning when you are watching the 
television newscaster who is actually beginning the play. She opens starting. and closes. That is correct. Now, she's opening this play up. And in this play, when she says, is now the two hours traffic of our stage, she means that in the most literal sense. They have two hours from that point, And then this movie concludes. I don't know if you knew that, but it is exactly two hours from that point. Mm. That the movie ends. So that means a lot of goodness to include the backstory and beef behind the Montagues and Capulets right. left on the cutting room floor for the sake of a two-hour traffic. Hey, fuck! There we go. So that could be why one of your likes or dislikes is a. Uh, I can't say you wouldn't dislike it if they had more time, but mm. eh, they would have had to compress and take out. No, things well, to I guess I was meaning I wanted it to be more personal. I wanted the two. You wanted to Godfather, yeah. yeah, like you wanted to see them slap each other. Like, uh, like there was, a uh, you got a kind of a glimpse into it. Are you talking to me? With, uh, are you Ju- talking with, to me? With the Juliet's mom, uh, Cleopatra, uh, yes. like dressing up as Cleopatra. That whole that whole scene. Yes, you got a peek in to it and I like that part hey speaking of a peek into that part Mm -hmm. uh, in the movie the two women that are helping Cleopatra get dressed on the stairwell Mm -hmm. they're actually the choreographer and um, no I'm sorry set designer and costume designer for the film oh wow they're playing small bit roles they're actually in the movie dressing they do, they do that and that's what they do actually off screen they're dressing people so they got a part in the movie dressing people it's really oh really, that's fun really really cute that's fun there. I said cute factoid Ooh, we have a trivia section coming up so you, um, you you got a lot of you got a lot of trivia yeah yeah no, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving all the factoids here mm-hmm. the trivia Psh, so, I know what's coming yeah Damon before we kind of get on this uh, snowball snowball uh, kind of slope going down uh, towards the end of the show. I wanted to ask if you wanted to bring anything else uh, before we start kind of going down this trajectory. I, I wanted to bring up something definitely, but if you wanted to. This, I, I do, I do. I think I would be remiss if I didn't revisit Ebert just because of his disdain for this movie based off of his original love for an original Shakespeare. This is a quote this is a quote from, I mean, just a, one of the most well-renowned critics in the world. This is one of my favorite movies, and this is a quote. He says, in the breakneck, in-your-face style of the opening scene, it wouldn't be Shakespeare, but at least it would have been something. And that's what he's saying. His directorial vision is just so slammed on Baz Luhrmann that he really and truly thinks that this was such a disgrace to William Shakespeare. And I think I think that's just... False. I think Baz Luhrmann said, what would he have written today? And then encapsulated that so fucking good mm-hmm. on screen. Mm-hmm. And he did it in a two-hour trap. Told you he was going to do it in two hours. Mm-hmm. And then did it in two hours. Wow. Now, halfway through, what happens? Halfway through that two hours traffic. There's, Isn't there's, it Mercutio dying? Uh, there's the, the, the scene. Yes. Thunder rumbles. Ah, uh, yes, Thunder you were talking rumbles. about that. Like, literally halfway through, like, it changes in tone. Right. The, the I mean, tonal change. Right. It goes, a, that was an important dark, thing to mention. It goes a dark theme, a very, very dark theme. It goes from the the wedding and bedding part of the love, uh, the white, the, so the, the white napkin the, part of it. The, the, the pristine virgin whiteness of the days that white was that. Mm-hmm. And then 
Thunder rumbles, and what happens? It just the complete dark change in the movie. The whole, I mean, it becomes more intense mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of that lovey rub right. romance stuff. Tibble's getting a little bit more pissed, and and thunder rumbles. Yeah. And from that point on, when there is a change in the, the 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 scenes of the movie and in the scenes of the actual play that was play written three hundred years prior, it was always introduced with. Thunder rumbling, and it was written into the plays that thunder would rumble, so it would have background noises while the plays were being done. And well, mm-hmm. in Baz Luhrmann's movie, every scene change has thunder rumbling, and if you're watching it in captions, it says thunder encapsulated rumble. down at the bottom hmm. in parenthetical notation, <sighs> thunder rumbles. Huh? Interesting. From the middle of the movie on, when you see that change in. They do. They do. Because I noticed that whenever he was going into the crypt. There you go. Yeah. Crazy. So, you know, I can understand how somebody from a different generation would not enjoy it, but to slam it without seeing what it was. What was Baz Baz Luhrmann's reaction to that? You know, I think Baz Luhrmann, uh, really and truly, you don't give a shit if somebody from another country bashes you. Let's be honest. Fair enough. I mean, you can have all kinds of media from... You know, the UK talking shit right now about us and really wouldn't matter. Yeah, sure. So, sure. I mean, this is Baz Luhrmann's Australia, you know, and it wasn't a big deal. No, Fair enough. Really, you ask ask an Australian who Siskel and Eber are, and they're going to think you're talking Burton or Eber. Hey! Right? Uh, Didn't did, did Siskel and Eber play on that show with the Sesames in the streets I, I and the counting and the counting count count and the the big yellow bird? No clue. Yeah, Australians either. Huh. See how that works? Damn, he's throwing out the factoids. Oh, no, no. So I wanted to ask you one thing. One of my last things. I definitely wanted to talk about... um, I was going to ask you. You said it whenever we were first watching it. That beginning portion. There's... You flick your teeth at me and he fucking Uh does the thumb. Do you bite bite your thumb at us, sir? He's like... uh, Takes his thumb and puts on his... The back of his two front teeth and like just like motion yeah. towards him uh, with his yeah, like, finger. Yeah, yeah. What what is that? That's uh, that's an old disrespectful Fuji sign. Fuji was underneath the chin uh, with your fingers oh. and flipping it out in, in, in one neighborhood where it was the biting the fingers and the others. And this was oh. a throwback to Shakespearean times. This was a 17th century thing where they did in fact bite your thumb and look at somebody it was a sign of disrespect like you're a baby and you're sucking your thumb but that's what it looked like you're making it that see. Bite, do you bite your thumb at us huh. sir I learned something new today they I learned actually, a lot of new things they, they, they actually do that as a celebration quite often in European football when they when they score a goal a goal celebration they'll mm-hmm. put their thumb in their mouth and they're doing that they're doing that in jest to the oppositional oh, fans I see. I see. Uh, do you bite your thumb at us sir uh, I do it's a great line I know it's great it is great, great. That was uh that was. Do you bite your finger the too, sir? It, it, He's just so quick with it. That well, it, it, and, and he and he did. He quarrel. I will back thee. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, Love that line. He said, "Man, go go. I got your back. I got your back." Right? Did he though? Did he though? I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Who's doing the slam? I'm just saying. Lord. Now this is. I mean, David. Mm-hmm. You 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 expressed the very few dislikes. Yeah, and and I that leads me to I I, I know I know the likes are so many and mm-hmm. the dislikes are so few. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
you don't even really have to ask anybody listening or listen to a voicemail call. We all know you're going with classic on this. Oh one. yeah, going into the award segment. Yeah, this is motherfucking classic. Yeah. I I didn't yeah. want to say the c word earlier, yeah. but here I'm bringing it uh, up. You got this it. is a motherfucking classic. Dry dizzle. I um. Anybody who hasn't seen it, I really hope you didn't get to this portion of the podcast and not have seen it. But because now you we could go, watch, well, not two hours yet. Yeah, not two hours yet. But nonetheless, great fucking movie. Great fucking movie. Got to be classic. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a classic, and I agree. I, I mean, there's, there's no other for the awards that it's won alone. Right. It would have to be a classic. Now, I'm not saying it's one of those uh, Academy of Motion Obviously Pictures. Obviously not. You know, it's not, like, <laughs> not one of their greatest. But we, we're talking. It won BAFTA Film Festival awards. Mm-hmm. Um, it won um, awards in the, Ber- Ber- I think it was the Berlin International uh, Film Festival in '97. Oh. It, it won. Uh, like uh, I know, uh, Leo got the Silver Bear that year for the best actor, oh. and that was in the '97 uh, Berlin National. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was uh, one of the awards. So I mean, we're talking awards. Wow, it was well deserved. Yeah, no, well deserved. Well deserved, and definitely I mean, on it, that circuit. You know, it had it, it did have some nominations. It, I mean, it it, it had uh, the at the Academy Awards that year. It uh, it did have the best set decorators. Um, were nominated for an award, they didn't win it, but it was still great to have a nomination uh, come out of this, and it was for the set that mm. we were talking about. Oh, the, I see. The yeah, scene, I agree the with that. scene, that was reason like it was I, thrown in there. I said nice. the word earlier, iconography. Yeah, There's a absolutely. lot of iconography, and it's, it's probably in, most... It's in your most, face, really. With it's that, in your face. Yeah, no, in, it's great. I gotta, I'm like fucking... Like, step, just, my God, I cannot fucking speak. Um... Definitely influence that. I see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like they, they are the, they are the worker bees for that. Right. Right. Yeah. It worked. It worked. Yeah. He he like he assembled the. It wasn't just the cast that he assembled, which of course it's the crew first. You have to you have to assemble the producers, directors, the writers, those who are on that wavelength with you first before you go and pick who those people are that are in your. Your your play your right. adaptation right. and and he got an amazing group of people to work mm-hmm. with him on this film like uh, the the I said the soundtrack I'm a fan of the soundtrack yeah. well, Nelly Hooper's just I mean bomb diggity on this soundtrack mm-hmm. um, there's the, the three of them that work together on this soundtrack they uh, they put it together which is crazy because. Um, there's a, a, a Brit in there. Um, See, it's funny you say that. It's funny you say that because I noticed... I'm sorry to interrupt, but no. uh, the... Uh, I feel like maybe it was the ball portion and then that following... Right. Like, no, there was definitely some composition work done. Yeah, 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 because it it feels as though it's like different that's, like, that's acts what, to a song no you're absolutely right you're absolutely right so, there was yeah. three different hands at play behind this mm-hmm. and there was the I mean Nelly Hooper throwing Nelly Hooper as a producer in anything at that time was yeah that I mean that was a smart move but uh, Marius DeVries uh, he's an English composer mm-hmm. and uh, you know doing compositional work with uh, somebody who's an eclectic uh, EDM you know producer maybe mm-hmm. uh, but to have Craig Armstrong in as a conductor basically to put it all together to put that the production work mm-hmm. um, together to, to be able to put those two together mm-hmm. it's just a, it's a it's, it's an amazing and those those three worked together on the soundtrack and the score and it was it was, it was impeccable. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and you can understand why. I, it, I believe five times platinum in Australia. Um, Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I mean, it was it was huge. It was huge for a lot of artists. It is a, it is Radiohead, a classic soundtrack. Radio, I'll give radio, it Radiohead. Uh, Radiohead. Yeah. Actually, uh, Radiohead. This is uh, this is something that's uh, unique. Uh, mm-hmm. Radiohead uh, <clears throat> for the film were given. This is this is a true story. They you know they've got uh, they've got their hand in the soundtrack, and you can see it. But uh, what you didn't know is they actually had the movie in their hand as they were writing a song for the movie. Baz Luhrmann sent the last 20 minutes of the film uh-huh. to the Radiohead and, uh-huh. and let them, from that point, they saw the last 20 minutes and he asked them from that point to write the exit theme. And the exit theme is, it's called Exit Music for a Film. It's in it's in there uh-huh. and he, I mean, Baz Luhrmann, genius to allow them to do this but they wrote this exit music for a film and they were in possession of the last 20 minutes or so of the movie they actually had the movie in their hand now of course if they're putting it on the soundtrack this is way way early in production that you haven't you haven't even thought of putting the movie together yet if you don't have the soundtrack but that's how early on that he gave them that kind of that kind of freedom with his movie in their hands and said finish this and they they did not disappoint at all. They did not disappoint. They, they, the, I believe uh, Baz Luhrmann said uh, it's one of the best themes, the best exit themes ever written. I believe that's a quote from Baz Luhrmann. It's one of the best exit things. And I'm not, I'm not saying he would say that just about his own movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's talking ever. And uh, you don't get to be a Baz Luhrmann without knowing a thing or two about movies and, and directors right. and, and the film industry. So it's not like this guy's a dummy who's saying it. Mm-hmm. He's saying it. And you have to kind of go along with, well, he knows what he's talking about. Right. So when he says that it's one of the best exit themes ever written, it's not just because he got handed it. Right. He did Right. He just gave him a movie. Mm-hmm. They did it. And it is... It's impeccable work. It's part of the soundtrack that I grew up to. It's the mm-hmm. soundtrack of my youth. Yeah. It seems like it was very... Speaking of impressionable earlier, uh, mm-hmm. it seems that that really had an impression Not on like 13-year-old girl impressionable. As in no, 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 right? no. Not, not, not impressionable. I mean, in a similar vein, I guess. Yes, there we go. There we go. Lord. Now, fucking circle. I, 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 I want to get back to... Um, the dislikes, the least favorite characters coming up. Yeah, so least important character. The least movie. important. This character. is this is the award for least important character okay. in, in Romeo and Juliet. Yes, please, please. Um, I. IMO, in my opinion. In his humble opinion. The nurse that uh, is with Julia, like in the, the, the nursemaid. earlier part of the movie. Absolutely. She kind of disappears towards the end of it. Uh, she's She's. She has physically a there, but not to not you. prominent. She's uh, she's the not prominent teacher, mm-hmm. like fr- the friar. Right, I kind of feel is that way. It's yeah. all about Romeo and Juliet. Right. Obviously. Well, absolutely, so absolutely. Fucking, yeah, I get so. that. Um, yeah, I'd say the nurse. I'm, who would you who would you say? I'm gonna have to go with, and this is a tough one because he's both the least important character in my eyes and the most important character. Can I guess? Yes. I, well, I don't know. Can you? 
Benvolio? No, absolutely. Oh, damn, I was going to guess it's that. It's a random cousin. It's the one out in yonder, the one out in sticks who didn't deliver him the message. His cousin, Balthazar. Oh. Balthazar, the one A failed who Paul Revere attempt. That's I see. it. I see. That's it. So he is absolutely Actually, I the have least to disagree important character, but not. he's also the most important Oh, okay, I see what you mean. Because had mean. he not gotten it wrong, had he not fucked it up, what could Brown have done for us? That's that's a good that's a good choice. That's so, a good choice. He's definitely a, a, a just a character, but mm-hmm. he's fun. so fucking that's integral. A good to the story. fucking answer, dude. Oh he's my a god, good integral part of the story. Uh, Damon, I love me. Out. I know I love me too, David. It's it's just it's a habit. It's a habit. Rounding out the awards segment is standout moments. Um, I want you to pick like one or two standout moments. Mm-hmm. I don't know. For me, I think it was it was seeing seeing some of these different different roles that that these stars had been in um, prior to their films um, converging into this one film. All these these older movies that I knew them from, like mm-hmm. Paul Rudd, was a star to me yes. because of Clueless. Dave Paris. We didn't talk much about him. Mm-hmm. Clueless. That was. This generation, this oh, put that on your list, sir. That's on there, yeah. So I only know that because it's right below Clue. <laughs> nice, nice Clueless. Mm-hmm. Or that's a great episode if you haven't. This is totally side tangent. You just got introduced to the podcast, uh, mm. but Borat's a good episode. That's where yeah. Shannon is a uh, nice, is a nice episode. <laughs> King of the Castle. He's, King he's of the best. It's the best episode. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, sorry. It'll be the second best after this one, sir. Ooh, Bam. that's bold. Uh, that's bold. I, I'm an individual that would be classified as bold. Yes, yes, yes you, you would. Yes, I, you I, would. I, I bring my own. Okay, hit me with another one. Uh, standout moment. Standouts. I don't know. There was so many because, like I said, you're looking at uh, at these these different roles. Paul Rudd as insignificant, but part of the role, and I. He's coming from a clueless role. That's what I see him as. I see. Now, John Leguizamo was not a, a hit at the action drama. No, John Leguizamo was Luigi in the Mario Brothers. Right. You were now. I was saying was earlier that I before. didn't really well, know from, him too much. From that, well, he was the flea. He was uh, in the flea. He was. I mean, there was there was so many things that yeah. Was John the flea Leguizamo. that blue costume no that's the tick the tick right that's the right. tick okay maybe, maybe but I think the flea was like a play off of the tick oh I maybe. see maybe I see something stupid you know one of those white chip those... styles that Maddie oh. would love hey uh, fuck fuck <laughs> about you know but that's that's what I'm seeing them as I'm seeing them as yeah. Luigi from uh, you know just the bouncy happy Mario Brothers to Tibble your dude Prince of Cats couldn't have been more. He actually had training, by the way. He had a flamingo style trained. Dance oh, I could see that. I because see that. he wanted to be that dramatic and flamboyant when it was time for him to undress and and bring out the weapons mm-hmm. in that opening scene, that fight sequence. Mm-hmm. 
when he turns uh, turn the turn the Benvolio and look upon thy death. That's that's, the, that's the role you like. That's the that's the line you love. Segwaying into uh, my standout moments, that that opening sequence mm. fucking kills yeah. his tattoo, bro. Did you see the heart? On, yeah, I mean that's mm-hmm. you know. I mean he wasn't a thick individual. That's fucking that's rhetoric bone, right bro. there. That is breastbone. That had to sting a little bit. I'm oh, saying, yeah, oh, totally. Um, bro, I got I got a, I got a tattoo on. Oh, my that's that's huge. Huge man, that's yeah. a huge tattoo, David. That, I won't show you the one in the middle of my back compared to your two nuts. Oh no, 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 no! I'm just, I'm saying, like, speaking of it being like Very right on a joint. Yes, yeah, no, you know, but that, blood, that tattoo was suck. a standout. No, that, 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 that was, that was like you said, yeah, iconography. I mean, it was iconic for him yeah. to turn and to have that as just. Whoop. Yeah, he was. Off the jacket. That, that, I think that was a standout moment for me. Mm-hmm. Was because there was that tibble, and then you could see the opposition already when you know when um, Benvolio was was trying his his best at the beginning. Mm-hmm. From from the get go, he was trying to put it all down. He was trying. He, he I believe uh, what what was the line that that you liked so much. Uh, uh, don't quarrel with thee or something like that. Uh, put down, put down thy swords and manage to depart these men with me. Yeah, yeah, that had it. that ring. Yeah. And, yeah, and it was, and it was one of those. Look, man, put it away. We're good here. Let's 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 go away. And and, and Tibble said, Nah, fucking now, nah, bro. We hate did, the word. We done did that. We done do it. What what word did he hate? I forgot. Peace. Peace. Yes. I hate the word. As I, I hate hell. That's a. All Montagues and thee. Mm-hmm. That's bang, such bang. a fucking great bang, line. Bang. Such a fucking great How, That kid shit himself. Oh, Same yeah. That fucking that poor ass himself. kid. If that was real life, mm-hmm. that kid sharded right there he on, had the, some, on the gas he had station some floor. for the rest of his life. Right. He will never have literal bowel movements mm-hmm. like that again. Right. It was not. One more standout moment that I'll bring up is when Mercutio dies, also <laughs> involving uh, Tybalt. Um, My boy, Mercutio. Yeah. Uh, that scene was very emotional. Very. Um, we didn't talk about it much, but I definitely want to emphasize the... I Mercutio was a fucking great part of the yeah, movie. Yeah, great, fucking great part. For of the us movie. to not speak on Mercutio's role, right? Because much, he was both yeah. he was both the protagonist and an antagonist. He was the good. He was the bad. He was not family, but he was family. He was the dude. And I don't see where the bad stepped, comes in. What do you mean? He, he was he was always. He was jostling him for his his love of Rosaline, and he was okay, jostling okay. him for falling that. in love with this new girl. You know, that. oh, you're a new girl. You was just in love with Rosaline yesterday, dumbass. Now you in love with this dude. We're supposed to believe you're really in love. How right. many loves you got? I see. And he I was see. trying to play him for the real. That's uh-huh. a that's a Mercutio role. So so his death Thank really <laughs> his death really hurt when you see him as that that right, character. Right. You know, he was the, so close to him that he could call him. He on was that Jiminy Cricket, right, on, uh, for, for Leo, right? And yeah. he and he called him on it. And well, he's he's the one that ends up sticking up for 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 Leo's role for Romeo when Romeo is secretly no. married. Yeah, secretly like, married. So he bro. can't he can't fight a Capulet yeah. because he's married to him mm-hmm. and he can't tell him. Right. He can't say I'm married to your cousin because, mm-hmm. well, that's bunk. We right. did it in secret. Right. But I can't fight you because I'm married to your cousin. We don't, and we don't talk about Fight Club. Right? Oh, did I? Did I just break the rule about break Fight Club? Club? Oh, oh, snap! Yeah. Oh, oh, sure. oh, snap! You're gonna get so much. Oh, there's, there's gonna be. Oh man! <laughs> uh, now I gotta go yeah, make so. Stuff. 
uh, both, I guess with both of these standout moments, I want to bring up the color palette. Um, you, you were mentioning the storm, uh, the thunderstorm, uh, an hour through the movie, halfway through. Right. Um, color palette of that, and then also the color palette of that opening sequence. Very bright, very bold. Honestly, yeah, bold. very different very, comparatively. Yeah, very, yeah. very bold. Well, and true story, the filming of that, uh, that beach scene that leads up to Mercutio's death, the fight scene that, uh, that he ends up getting backstabbed literally mm-hmm. um, there's a storm rolling in that's right. not CGI that's an actual hurricane that came in and oh. it did destroy their set that they were on so if you'll notice oh, anything after that um, that filming sequence they're they're using uh, different huts in different locations because that oh. the Sycamore Grove location oh. was wiped away by hurricane remnants oh, shit. while they were filming huh so that storm in the background when they're filming it, right. that storm rolling in, mm-hmm. real. is yeah. is real. Is actual real hurricane moving in. So that's why it looks so damn realistic. Yeah, they're running yeah. from tropical Ooh. depression. Oh, hey, that, that'll make you act your fucking ass off. Like, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Hey, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. We got to get this and <laughs> yeah. one take now. Yes, exactly. We got to get this now and fucking go. Pressure. Get it and go. Get it and go. Get it um, and go. I'll stab him for real. Let's go. <laughs> right, Jesus. As long as it gets me out of here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that so? We're going into the uh, trivia room. section, uh, closing segment. Nice. Um, nice. Was that going to be your piece of trivia? You got something uh, else for me? You know. I I I think I mean we could we could go with trivia all day. Oh yeah, off you're of cast. I mean I, I I don't like the whole um, necessarily. I don't like the the six degrees of Kevin Bacon or, or anything that 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 mundane. But I will say I um, being able to 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 pinpoint where you've seen an actor before. Um, and then know who that is specifically from that point on. Yeah, maybe. Oh, see that that go. It's going back to the generational thing. It's like right, the, just the things absolutely. that you know that no, I no, don't. No, no. Right. Yeah. Well, like Claire Danes, you had to explain who Claire Danes was to me. Have you seen The Usual Suspects? No. Ah, uh, that. Oh, yes. my my good friend. With I can't. Uh, Mister Kobayashi. Yeah, Mr. really loves that yes. movie. Really loves well, that movie. Well, shout out to it's your friend usual. who really loves that movie and has yeah. good taste. But in The Fine. Usual Suspects. Uh, Mr. Kobayashi is uh, in in that movie. Well, shortly thereafter, <laughs> the gentleman who played Mr. Kobayashi becomes Father Lawrence. Oh, really? Uh, oh, Peter really? Peter Postlewaite. Oh, okay. Fwait. Postlewaite. Oh, Fwait. my God. Here we go. Fwait. Fwait. Postle. What a pronunciation. I know, right? Yeah, English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, English. My piece of trivia, which I thought was fucking crazy. I don't know where they fucking filmed this shit. Um, do you know off the top of your head? Um, Mexico. Uh, yeah, so the key hairstylist, Aldo... Please, I apologize. Uh, speaking of fucking pronunciation. Aldo Signoretti? I, I believe that's how you say This was the ha- key hairstylist for the movie, which, uh, shout out, Frosted Tips. That's uh, right. Love the um, hair. I was actually kidnapped by gang members. And I helped heard for a rest- yes. ransom. Yes, um, a ransom. Mm-hmm. And Baz Luhrmann actually paid. Are you kidding? Yes. He paid the ransom. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is absolute... Silliness. He's like, oh my god, we didn't have that first of tips done. Need the first of tips back. Oh, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. That is absolute craziness. So they, I mean, do 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 you know how much the ransom was? Three hundred. 
Three hundred bucks? Yeah. Are you kidding? I, I, bruh, if it was like a blindbuster movie, maybe. With yeah, that with that marketing, I, I, like, dude, I would have asked for way right, more than three hundred bucks. Right, right. I mean, bucks. we're talking fourteen million dollars into this movie as as a production. Three hundred bucks is gonna fucking break the bank. Bucks, three C notes, <laughs> and we'll give you your hair curl back. <laughs> It was like, God damn it, it's a hair guy, and he's probably at a couple zeros. At a couple zeros. She, she's One million dollars. Oh, Lord. Yeah. That you, is funny you, shit. You did that wrong, Dr. Evil. Yeah. You, right. you did that wrong. Let me show you how that zero moves. Right, Lucky Lord. idiot. 300 bucks. Love Austin Powers, dude. You're going ri- to risk life for three... What an idiot. That is so crazy. But still, they, they got away with it because Baz Luhrmann paid it, apparently. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's funny as shit. I want to read into that more. That, that, that is such funny. a good, good, like, trivia piece. I love it. I, well, I mean, I have I have a few. Uh, like I said, if we're just talking cast trivia, um, uh, the, as you called her the most insignificant, the nurse, well, <laughs> she kind of was in this in this film. But uh, for those who enjoy the Harry Potter uh, franchise of movies, oh, right. um, it, you'll notice the nursemaid in Romeo and Juliet happens to be Professor Sprout from the... Hogwarts movies. So the one with the plants. Yeah, Planty McPlant face. <laughs> That's her. That's her. She be rolling it up and then you know <coughs> pulling them out, letting them scream, and all that jazz. That's oh. Professor Sprout. So that's where you've seen her before. <coughs> if you couldn't picture where you'd seen her before, it's probably because you saw her as Professor Sprout and you immediately wow. put your hands over your ears. Deep cut. Right. Oh Lord. Um, well, and in that re- in that regard, and I guess um, in in that realm, uh, if we're still talking trivia, mm-hmm. um, Mercutio was played by um, uh, he was only thirty three at the time, um, but but he looked young. He looked really young. Harold Perrineau. Um, uh, you may not know who I'm speaking of if mm-hmm. you don't know um, um, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, but Harold Perrineau. Um, he was, uh, I believe, the role of Michael Davidson on uh, Lost, the TV series Lost. He, he played a role watched. in that. Yeah, yeah. No, but I think most people, if we're talking cinematography, we're talking uh, TV, if we're talking movies and not just TV shows, mm-hmm. I think you would know him more as uh, he played Link on the, the Matrix trilogy. Mm, yeah, I don't know who the character is. Yeah, Link. Link was on. Uh, Link wasn't on uh, the the first ship. He was on the uh, Nebuchadnezzar, maybe. I believe. Anyways, Blink and uh, the franchise, uh, he was the uh, same, same character as Mercutio, huh. Leo's best friend, same guy. Oh. So that's where you may know him from. You may know him from The Matrix, and you may know him from Oz, um, a, a show that he did uh, shortly oh, after. Oh, I heard, yeah. that's, a gra- I heard uh, that's a great show. That was, I think, to me... That's Is that the, the one in the prison? Right. It's the precursor to The Orange is the New Black, minus the humor. Precursor to The Wire. Oh, actually, it was yeah. the precursor to the wife. Yeah, leads into that. Mm-hmm. But mm, that's a whole another. Yeah, that's a whole another podcast. I think that's exactly where we're going to leave. Now the co- the cousin Dash. Oh, Mihawk. That's his name, Dash Mihawk. The red hair that comes out of the bathroom. Oh, Benvolio. okay. Yes. Part fools, you know not what you do. Yeah, Benvolio. Yeah, he's okay. had bit parts all over the place, but. Uh, I've seen it's that Ray s- Donovan's little brother in Ray Donovan. I don't know the fuck Ray Donovan. Oh, see now, this is why you don't watch TV. You watch movies, right? 
Am I right? I guess. You're more of a movie yeah. guy than TV guy? Oh. Mm, Ray, Don- Ray Donovan is a show TV nowadays series. is more like movies, if we're going to kind of get into it. You got a point there. Yeah. A very valid point. Mm-hmm. But I will say Ray Donovan is a Showtime show. Showtime show is also... Where's Claire Danes at on her career path right now? On a Showtime show? Oh. That's strange. Wait, on Homeland? Yeah. Oh. On what channel? Or which broadcast network? Showtime. USA? No. No. I have no fucking clue. Showtime, Showtime was, in, Showtime was the, the, at the beginning of it, wasn't it? Homeland? On Showtime? Right. Wait, oh, oh, you you mean Showtime is the tying thing. Okay, okay, I see. Ray Donovan. I see. Ray Donovan's okay. brother. I was like, to be... I had a hard time linking that one together. Oh, Lord. Not not six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Just, <laughs> just bacon fat. That's all. Just bacon oh, fat. Oh fuck! Don't even fucking talk about that. But Balthazar, um, my least favorite and most favorite character. Uh, you saw him right before this movie in another one of my most favorite of favorite movies, simply because it came out when I was well in the mood. Mm-hmm. Actors. Oh right, we yeah, were talking about he that. played with Angelina Jolie and Johnny Dean Miller. He was I love Angelina Jolie. Balthazar, such an Im- unimportant person in this movie, he was just in Hackers as an unimportant person. Bruh, I've been so I've been thinking a lot about so yeah. with our Patreon, it's like a subscription service, kind of like Netflix, but for me, but uh, for, for, you, for the podcasts and Dave Flicks. and everything, uh, Dave Flicks. Oh my God, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Uh, nonetheless, I'm thinking of like, uh, movies or just like bonus episodes that I can do. And uh, like this would, this would, um, bringing up, bringing up Angelina Jolie makes me want to do a bonus episode about Tomb Raider. I fucking (sighs) love Tomb Raider, dude. Yes. Fucking Missy Elliott at the fucking beginning and fighting. Yes, 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 yes. You know what? That actually would be something that, uh, Subscribers would love to hear an yeah. episode about. Mm-hmm. I love Angelina Jolie. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. She's got a lot of ups and downs in her careers. Yeah, but let's just say Whatever, I think a, definitely a low is uh, putting blood in a locket um, with uh, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds blood in a locket. Meh. I mean, look, hey, all I'm gonna say, Billy Bob. Right. <laughs> he can do what he wants. All right. <laughs> Billy Bob. All right, that's all I need to know. I mean, just has, have we made some bad choices with Billy Bob Thornton? Yeah, it's but Who it is. Has it? It. Do you, but, have you ever seen? Can I ask? Uh, you you maybe know of this. Uh, a lot of people my age don't. Uh, Cannibal Run. Yes, Cannibal Run. Bro, I could do another bonus episode on that movie. I'm with Fucking you on Cannonball Run. Love I got that this. Movie. Remember, 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 I grew up on these things, and mm-hmm. there wasn't a whole lot else to do. There wasn't a whole lot of shows that you could go back and rewatch. There wasn't episodes that you could stream. I mean, if you didn't have the ability to go see it in theaters, you're damn sure lucky if you found it at Blockbuster. Right. Blockbuster. Jeez. And let's be honest, Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. fucking wall. It's a Blockbuster. Oh, yeah. It's a Blockbuster. Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Baz Luhrmann's William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. That's that's where we're going to tie it off. I think that's a good point. So, firstly, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the You Haven't Seen That Movie podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Who's your 
Also, a big thank you to my guest, Damon, for joining me. I had a fucking great time with you today. This was absolutely my pleasure, sir. Yeah, I, I could not... I Like I said earlier, like I wanted you on, and I want you on for more. Ooh, that feels good, actually. I actually am, am glad to have been here. And what movie would you... What ma- What movie would you pick? Oh, well, you know... I think oh, you were talking about Team America earlier. Mm, if you want to go with the let's get high and watch something funny movies, absolutely. See, that's the one thing I kind of am hesitant on with the podcast like comedies they're good to watch but going yes but talking about it in depth is kind of like i love this movie because we had a lot to talk about but a comedy of that caliber we wouldn't really i get you i get you i mean we would stop at at certain points about the directorial vision and that's where tangents come in yes tangents at play fills the fills the gaps yes as they would say he keeps talking about playing in gaps i think something's on david's mind hey you know it's it's uh it's night you know (laughs) nothing good happens at night (laughs) but it's not the witching hour because Uh I didn't go there. We uh, talked about that. Yeah, we heard about y'all talking about that in the last episode. The Witching Hour. Mm. Uh, the um, Exorcism. Exorcism. Of yeah. Rose. Mm-hmm. And the Witching Hour. You had hour. some beefs. Uh, I didn't respond to them because they were valid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Witching Hour, though. The Witching Hour is something you guys talked about. And it's legit, man. They they really... That's... that's they, 3, 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. Was, is... That was so, fine. We're going to get there here in a little bit. Yeah. And it's party, bro. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, Damon, like I said, thank you so much. No, no, thank you so much. If you want to show your support for the You Haven't Seen That Movie podcast, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash WDM1. Also, join our Facebook and Instagram pages to know when new episodes uh, go live. Uh, like this movie? Hate it? Uh, let us know by calling our voicemail. Uh, both Instagram and Facebook literally have call buttons, so it couldn't be easier. But, Damon, um, I guess we'll check you later. Uh, yeah, I'll holler at you, Dave. I'll see you on the, probably a really <laughs> See you on the flip-flop oh, later. later. <laughs> you know that you school like of rock. Later. <laughs> I eat man. I'm going to catch you on the flip. I expect to be in this chair soon. Oh, oh, I... Can I have you back here faster? You got it, boss. All right, back. The You Haven't Seen That Movie Podcast is a bi-weekly podcast recorded in the DFW, Austin, and San Antonio areas in the state of Texas. The podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, David Lonnie Waters. All of Waters Media shows are funded by you over on Patreon at patreon.com slash WDM1. The following names are at the highest tier of the producer level, and I am humbled. Thanks, Hughes. Sharon.